Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. We're glad that you are here and that you can be a part of a recent service at TCC. So let's join the service, which is already underway, and listen to the message. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. The fact that we have made it this far, the fact that we're still standing, we've already made a declaration to hell. I'm going to make it. Tell your neighbor, everything is going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. I I want to sit down if you'd like to. I I told you this week uh, that we're going to uh, continue to take pieces of the story of, of Ruth because she represents so well the church. The story of Ruth, she had lost everything that was near and dear to her. Her stability, her peace, and, and so the story goes, her mother-in-law, who also lost everything, chooses to be bitter and chooses to be a little, a bit unbelieving. But Ruth looks beyond her circumstances, and for lack of a better term to paraphrase, Ruth says, hey, uh, Naomi, I'm going where you go. Your people are going to be my people. The God that you serve is going to be my God. And uh, I realize that I, I come from an unacceptable lineage and things are not good, but I'm going to make it anyhow. It's the resolve of the child of God, something that draws from supernatural recesses that although Ruth was an outsider, she decided that no matter what the world said about her, no matter what her circumstances or lineage said about her, I am going to make it. Now, I'm just telling you tonight, I'm not just preaching, I'm prophesying. And if you can't handle it, just duck for a minute. But I'm telling you, there's something that God has been wanting to do, and he has been drawing us into it. So I am going to make it. I'm not just pulling out a one-liner. I'm telling the devil himself, everything's going to be all right in my house. I'm going to get my shout back, my health back, my jaw back, my strength back, my family back. Genesis chapter 12. Hey, sound brethren or sister and whoever, just give me a little bit more of that monitor back there. It'll help me. I can have a little voice. Usually by day number three, uh, I start sounding like Johnny Cash or James Cleveland. And uh, we're not ready for that yet. Y'all ain't ready for that yet. Genesis chapter 12, and the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I'll give this land to your seed. And Abram built an altar there to the Lord that appeared to him. And he went from there uh, to the mountain on the east of Bethel. And he pitched a tent there, having Bethel to the west on one side and Ai to the east and, and the other. And in the midst, he built an altar and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed going on still toward the south. There was famine in the land, but Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there. The famine was grievous, but the text there, those few little lines, but Abram went on still. It should be noted that as Abram is going on to possess the promises of God, there's a journey there. As a matter of fact, also in that text further down is the fact that there are still enemies there waiting for him, but yet he moves on ahead and goes still. 
He's camped out between Bethel, known as the gate of heaven, and Ai, which actually means a trash heap or a bunch of nothing. He's fixed, if you will, right in the midst of one side of him could equal the gates of heaven. The other side of him could equal nothing but a bunch of mess, trash, and trouble. It's clear Abram has a decision to make. He can move one way or the other. He can be the victor or he can be the victim. He could be the wounded or he could be the conqueror. He's right in the middle and Abram chooses the latter and says, I don't care what's going on. What kind of famine is in the land? I'm moving on still. He moves on to possess the possibilities, the promises of God. This book is replete with the promises of God. That's how we know everything's going to be all right. That's how we know that there may be some hills and valleys, but we know the author and the finisher of our faith. Abram moves forward on his journey toward the promise of God with a picture of possibility in view. You might be tonight in the midst of one of the most difficult moments of your life. One of the most frustrating points of your personal history. You're being confronted by things or the repercussions of bad decisions or bad thinking or whatever the case might be. Surrounded by spiritual famine, if you please, or seeming impossibility. That's what happens to us. And then we degenerate to complaining or backing down from what we thought we heard God say. Or or backing down from the things that were spoken over us. But there's something in the deep recesses of the child of God that said, I may have been weak and faltered for a while. I may be down, but I'm not out. It ain't over yet. I'm getting up and I'm going to make it. I'm moving onward. Abram walked into this occasion of this divine equation, if you please, with a couple of things. First of all, he had a word from God that God would multiply his seed and that God would bless his family and then of course anchoring that word of God to reality is Abram had an altar let me tell you you may not have a lot of stuff brother but if you got a word from God and an altar to attach it to all hell with both hands will never be able to stop you I didn't come here tonight with talent I didn't come here tonight with ability but I walked in this pulpit with a word from God and an altar to attach it to I wish I could get some church folk on a Monday night to say I may not look like it but I've got it I may not feel like it but I've got it a word from God and an altar I'm going to anchor myself there Bethel the place of promise Bethel the place of heavenly interaction and operation on one side and all hell and giving up on the other I've got a decision to make. Either this thing is real and everything's going to be all right or that preacher and every other one's been lying and this is all just a sham. I've got a decision to make tonight. Either everything's going to be all right or tonight's it and it's all over with. There's a marriage in this room right now. You've been in trouble for months and you got a decision to make. You either showed up on this Monday night by happenstance and some sort of mere randomness or God 
God picked out the seat where you're sitting and you're going to make it. Y'all ain't hearing me tonight, but I'm telling you, either it's falling apart or God's fixing to put it back together. I wish I could get some husband to say, you let go of my family. I'm going to make it. I wish I could get some wife to just get up and say, I haven't shouted for a year, but I'm going to make it tonight. Oh, come on, just take a moment right now. Somebody give God praise. Somebody give him praise. Oh, 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 oh. I feel a hiccup, a hiccup, a hoe. That's what I'm just like. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, I'm not supposed to be here. I was born into a house of heathens. I don't take my wife to the post office because I don't like her seeing the pictures of my kinfolk. This is the way it was. It's the way it is. I'm not supposed to uh, be feeling what I'm feeling tonight. I wasn't born into that kind of a life. I'm, I'm supposed to, like everyone else is, is uh, seemingly does in this world, follow suit with uh, uh, who, who, who the kinfolk were and what the lineage before me. Supposed to be just a failure. Supposed to be uh, still living in the project somewhere. <laughs> Except there was a divine intervention one night. Are you hearing me? I'm I'm not supposed to feel what I'm feeling tonight, but for the grace of God, one Thursday night came into a prayer meeting. About six people came together, and they were tricky about it too. I came in, and they said, now we're just going to have a little prayer. We're just going to do a little prayer. Do a little prayer. They did a little prayer. I woke up on my back. 45 minutes later, ha, ma, 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 ha, 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 carrying on, filled with the power of the Holy Ghost, just a little prayer. <laughs> one sis told me one time I was getting ready, we were going into a church service with a bunch of crazy people like you. And uh, so I went with my cousin who was a total heathen. He was a liar. I'm talking about liar. And uh, so he invited me to his church service, and they're carrying on. And uh, we got half, and I'm looking around like, oh, Lord. And this a little old sis, they call her praying mama. She came halfway up the aisle, and she said, oh, son, praise the Lord, son. And I just like, ma'am, how are you? Have you got the Holy Ghost? And I said, Ma'am, she said, I said, have you got the Holy Ghost? I turned to my cousin. I said, what is she talking about? He said, just tell her yes, and she'll leave you alone. (laughs) So I said, yes, ma'am, I got it. She said, well, I'm looking at you. I can tell you, you need more of it. So just come on and sit up here. And I got more of it. Not supposed to. I can't tell you the times that hell tried to take me out. But I'm still standing. It ain't over yet. 
There have been times I felt like giving up, but something rose up on the deep up inside of me and said, I'm going to make it. I don't care who my daddy was. My father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I don't care how many times I messed up. I can get back up. You need to make a declaration right now as a man of God, as a woman of God, and say, I'm going to make it. Everything's going to be all right. Abraham went on anyhow. So you've been through something. Get up and get on with it. So you messed up. Get back up and get on with it. Don't tell me your sob story. You still got breath in your lungs. You still got to shout. I know you're hurting, but I also know the healer. We are as a society... We are a decrepit society. We teach people how to be victims now. From kindergarten, they teach them how to fill out victimization reports. Teach our young people how that the world happened to them and they can never get nowhere because they were born on this side of the track. They can never get nowhere because of what the parents did or because of what happened. I'm here to tell you tonight that's a lie from the pits of hell. Let me just tell you, God don't care what side of the tracks you were born on. He himself came from Nazareth. Are you hearing me tonight? God doesn't care what's in your bank account or who your mom and daddy are. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. I feel like I could shout all over this place right now. I almost forgot it's Monday night. Can you feel it, honey? You can feel it. Almost forgot. Oh, thank you. I'll remind them. Although the fig tree doesn't bud, even though there's no fruit on the vines, even when the labor of the olive tree seemingly has failed and there's no meat and there's no cattle and everything is cut off from the fold and there's no cattle in the stall, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation for the Lord is my strength and he'll make my feet to run like hind's feet and he will cause me to walk upon my high places. Have y'all ever quoted that scripture? I want you to look at it real closely on my high places. God has fixed some places for me to start walking and it's time for me to start walking there. It's time for me to start believing there. Christian success doesn't happen by showing up at a church service one time. Christian success with God doesn't happen by association. But it's rather determined by choices continually. Like falling and getting back up. Like messing up and moving on anyhow. He continued onward. Despite famine. Despite what he was feeling. Despite what the world environment was around him. He continued on. He kept going. We are the restored generation. We are the revival generation. Thank you, Pastor, for having a vision. Thank you, Pastoral Ministry Team, for having a vision and understanding that God chose this week, that God chose these times of prayer because He wants to do something supernatural. I'm telling you tonight is the night for you to make your move. I said tonight is the night for you to make your move. I've got 
it. It's working inside of me and I'm going to make it. Oh, come on, just stop. Just stop. Somebody ought to just step out of your seat and just shout to God just a little bit and just thank him. Somebody ought to just praise him. The church is not known by those crucified. The church is not known by those abused and run out of their countries. The church is known by those who resurrected. The church is known by those who said, no matter what's going on. That's why when Jesus came, he introduced the second mile. He introduced the second mile. Why did he do that? It was enough for them to be forcibly uh, moved into a position where the Jewish uh, uh, community members had to walk one mile on a Sabbath day against their custom, against their tradition. And Jesus said, I want you to get used to this. Don't walk the one mile required. Walk the second mile. Because it's past where they think you can make it. That you're going to start really walking into something. It's right where hell thought it'd be finished with you. I'm going to start working miraculous. I can feel God healing somebody right now. I can literally feel God healing somebody right now. I can feel God delivering somebody right now. (laughs) I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. Sun scorched, weary and worn. Abram went on still despite what anybody else was seeing he looked for a city whose builder and maker was God Abram said I'm not getting a picture of what's going on in this world I got a picture of what's going on past this world I'm not going to get swallowed up in politics and stupidity I got a picture of something way farther than that I'm not going to let the doctor's report or the bank account intimidate me I'm going on despite what they say I don't have to be swallowed up I don't have to be intimidated I'm tired of being backed down you some of y'all need to turn to your adversary and say give me my shout back give me my joy back give me my prayer life back give me my family back somebody just shout that we i'm gonna make it that was pitiful try it again tell your neighbor i am gonna make it i am gonna make it and i'm gonna make it good Paul watched the church at Galatia raise up to a powerful apostolic people. But he came back to them after a while and they were moping. Poor little old us. And this happened and that happened. And Paul said it like this. Who has bewitched you? Who has tricked you? Who has cast a spell on you? That at one time you were full of the power of God, but now you're just poor little old barely getting by. Who has bewitched you? Who has tricked your thinking that somehow you're the tail and not the head? Who has duped you and messed with you that somehow you can no longer be what I told you you could be? You're going to make it, child of God. You're going to make it, son or daughter of God. 
The wise man said, the race is not given to the quickest. The race is not given to he or she who seems strong. But the race belongs to those that keep on going. That's why Jesus said, whoever makes it until the end, the same shall receive their prize. I'm not looking for fast. I'm looking for faithful. I'm not looking for strong. I'm looking for steady. I am going to make it. Oh, I can feel, I can feel the powers of hell shaking right now. It wasn't this we came to the prayer meeting once. It's that I came to prayer meeting when I could barely make it in. And I'm still praying. I can feel hell trembling tonight. Oh, he wasn't too scared you made it on Sunday. But said, uh-oh, they're back on a Monday night. If they're here on a Monday night, something must be up. If she's here tonight, we better look out. God is getting ready to do something powerful in her her life (laughs) I'm going to make it I'm going to make it I'm going to make it lift your hands if you will for a moment (laughs) Paul Oh, Paul, battle-worn and bent, ragged, tattered. Some scholars say that Paul, in the latter part of his life, was so torn up and bent over and twisted and haggard looking, he looked like a science project, not an apostle. And yet Paul, in, in the week of his life, After all that he had been through, Paul writes to the church and says, No, my dear brothers, don't count me out yet. I may not be what I should be, but I bring everything that I've got into this one thing. Forgetting the things that are behind me, I press toward the mark, the prize of the high calling of Christ Jesus. Forgetting the things that are behind me, I'm looking ahead and strained to reach the end of that race. The high calling of God, which was accomplished by what Jesus Christ did. If you're a mature Christian, Paul said, you ought to see with me eye to eye in this matter. If you disagree with me, there's no point in arguing. But as far as I'm concerned, I press toward the mark and I'm not giving up now. I won't turn back. I won't turn back. I've come too far to go now and turn around. I won't turn back. I'm not going to sit down. I'm going to press toward the mark. I'm going to push. I'm going to know and realize this constant opposition. But I'm moving ahead anyhow. I'm not going to be afraid of conflict. I'm not going to be afraid of anything that the weapons of hell may launch against me. They're just temporary. I press toward the mark. The prize, the high calling. God, speaking to your faith right now, infusing us, not with some faith, but divine faith. I want you to, somebody in this room, you came here on this Monday night and said, I am literally, dear brother, going through hell. 
just, just, you don't have to you close your eyes, but just lift your hand and say, I'm one of them. I've never been so confused. I've never been so agonized. I'll just go ahead and hold your hand and say, I am one of them. I'm one of them. I've been battling. I've been struggling. But I'm going to allow the Spirit of God to impart into my faith a measure of His faith. And it doesn't look like it. And it doesn't feel like it. But somehow by the grace of God, I am going to make it. Are you hearing me right now? I'm not talking about just encouraging you. I'm imparting the faith of God into you to help you to understand all of your mistakes. All of your past misfortunes. God is getting ready to do a miraculous turnaround in your life. Oh, yeah. Oh, thank you. Just wave your hands to him just a moment. ministering spirits from the throne room of God sweeping through this sanctuary right now. Angels ministering. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> my, 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 my Lord. The name Bowen is in the Bible. Bowen. It's not a popular name. It's not one that they would have probably taught you in Sunday school. Bowen. may not even recognize the name, but it is a biblical name. It's just that it's not a popular name because his story was one of corruption. Uh, it is believed that Bohan, the son of Reuben, was a product of a, a bad relationship that Reuben had outside of the plan of God. It actually cost Reuben his placement in the promised land. So Bohan becomes this product of this illicit affair and situation. Bowen becomes this uh, word on the street and the dishonorable actions of his father seemingly not only cost his father's family but cost him. 
And yet somehow, when we read about Israel becoming and possessing the land, as they're possessing the land, Judah is taking its place in the promised land. And as the tribe of Judah is moving into its placement, see, Judah represents the praise and the glory of God. So while the glory of God is marching forth to move into position of promise, it was confronted by adversaries. Adversaries so intent on destroying Judah and destroying Israel that they almost did not make what God had promised them. But when you read, I'm going to read you just a little piece of the book of Joshua as they're taking their position. The borders of Judah extend down to the territory of Edom, to the desert of Zin on the extreme south. The southern border starts uh, there by the Salt Sea and crosses over the Scorpion Pass and then continues onward. And the, this border on the west raises up on this side and it continues to define the boundaries. It says the eastern boundary moves as far as the Salt Sea to the mouth of Jordan. And the northern border starts at the Bay of the Sea at the mouth of the Jordan and then moves up to Beth. Hagalah onto Beth Araba, where the stone of Bowen is located, who was the son of Reuben. Now the student reads and says, wait a minute, the border continues northward. The wordage there, it's translated in English. The border continued northward. The wordage there, the idea of continue, lets the student know that they continued because there was conflict. There was something working against them. This is Joshua chapter 15. There was something working against them, but they continued onward. Today you could find that marker where they continued because it is marked by a stone named Bohan, who was the son of Reuben. Now Reuben has no lot in Judah. He has no part in this land because of his family's mistakes. He has no lot in the future of Israel. But something interests me about Bowen. That although he had no, what they say, dog in the hunt. He had no part in the promise. Bowen says, and evidently, I don't care what you think about who my daddy was. I don't care what you think about who I am, and I may not have any count anywhere in this thing. But when I see Judah moving forward, and I see the enemies of Judah trying to keep the promises of God from happening, it doesn't become about me at this point. It becomes about the promises of God. And if nobody else is going to fight for it, I'm going to fight for it. And my daddy may have messed up, but I'm going to make it. My, my lineage may not look good, but I'm moving on anyhow. And I want you to know that Judah took its place because a nobody stood up and said in essence I am going to make it I messed up I've fallen but I'm getting back up but this is not going to be the end of my story so they put a stone there that said you got to remember this guy because he didn't even have part or inheritance are y'all hearing me tonight I'm not supposed to be a preacher in a pulpit I'm supposed to be some crazy nut somewhere else in the world I may still be crazy but 
but thank God I'm in the presence of God. Listen, I don't know what hell's plan was for you. What I do know is you're in the courts of the king tonight. And this thing's moving forward. It's not about us. It's not about our failures. It's not about our weakness. But I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I'm going to make it. Bowen, a nobody, got a picture of somebody greater. See, when you can get the attention off from yourself, I'm getting ready to close to tell you a little story. This happened a few years ago. We were traveling in North India, and uh, it, we were north of Calcutta. And I'm not the most pleasant of travelers. Just put it like I'm a really nice guy. I'm very lovable until you travel with me. Don't shout and say amen. Just, we were tired. We were traveling for like 60 hours straight. I was traveling with uh, Pastor Ken Gurley and uh, several other uh, officials and people from South Texas. Maybe that was the problem, too. There's a lot of people from South Texas there. And uh, it was 60 hours. We end up in this meeting on this compound with all these people who said they wanted to hear us preach and they'd heard about this. And it was a college campus. There were all these great ministers. It was a wonderful setup. So we get in there, preach the first night. I should have known when they said, Brother Brian, why don't you take the first session? I should have known they were setting me up then. I took the first session, preached my guts out. Then somebody else took the session and then somebody else took the session. And suddenly at 1130 at night, uh, the board and the ministers out in the middle of nowhere where they'll kill you for drinking the wrong kind of Coke or whatever and have riots. Out in the middle of nowhere at 1130 at night, uh, we need to have a special meeting. Special meeting. I always call special meetings at 1130 at night. Yeah, that sounds great. Especially they call us in this room and they told us, uh, we do not believe the heresy that you've been putting out this afternoon. Now, we're out here in the jungle, and these people believe completely different. And what you're putting forth is heresy, and it's opposing to what we teach and believe. So, tomorrow, you're not going to be teaching this. But tomorrow morning, you're either going to change what you teach, or you can be dismissed. And by the way, we will not guarantee your security. Now, I'm a self-preservationist. Pastor Gurley is wonderful. He's an awesome speaker. And he's so eloquent. So they argued for quite a while, these ministers arguing. And Pastor Gurley steps in and he says, Now, brethren, let's stop for just a moment and consider the divine opportunity that is set before us. And he goes into this wonderful discourse. And I start feeling good. I'm just back there shaking, you know, like, yes, what he said. Until he came to the line and said, now, we didn't come all the way out here to hurt anyone purposefully or to offend anyone. We came out here because the Spirit of the Lord directed us. And if it cost us our life, and I'm like, whoa, 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 hey, hey. You know, I was good with you till there. But he continues. We didn't come out here for anything but do the will of God. And if it cost our life, then we're prepared to give our life. And I'm over there saying, Jesus, you know, speak for yourself. 
I want to go home. And it was a tense meeting, and it didn't end good. We just finally went to bed, got some common sense, and went to bed. And so, but I'm a self-preservationist. I'm trying to figure out how can I get out? Can I hire a car out? Can we take a motorcycle out? What can we do? Pretend like I'm sick, whatever. You know, just every scenario you can think of. And uh, about four in the morning, I'm praying. Finally got to that point. And I'm praying. And I felt the presence of God like I'm feeling it tonight. And an angel of the Lord showed up. And I felt him kneel down by my bed. And I'm feverishly praying. And I recognized, and, and so I just kind of in the quick of my thoughts said, who are you? And what are you doing here? Like, is this the angel that visits right before? <laughs> who are you? He said, I spoke to my servant Paul in the belly of a ship. When it looked like it was going to wreck and I told him everything's going to be all right. And I'm telling you that my Lord has sent me to tell you everything's going to be all right. And uh, I said, what? So I got up, infused suddenly my faith. I went and woke the bishop up. I'm talking about 4.30 in the morning. I have got a word from the Lord. And he's like, Brother Brian, did a, God bless you. This is what the Lord says. Now, it wasn't supposed to end that way. But the, the rest of the story is wonderful because many of the ministers that were there on the opposing side of things are now baptized in the lovely name of Jesus. Phil, they told us they didn't believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. They told us don't even talk about that mess around here. But that was the prayer meeting early in the morning. And... Uh, break of day. they start in their first session. I'm in the room praying again because evangelists don't get up real early. So it's 10 o'clock and I'm still praying. And we were staying on the compound and I heard it sounded like somebody just backed to 747 up to the place and just opened the engines up wide. So I walked around. They have all these parallel meetings going on and I walk around in every meeting that's going on. People are laid out everywhere, and the power of God has overcome them. And I mean, they're literally just laid out like cordwood, speaking in other tongues. Demons are running, screaming. Deliverance has happened. All of this happens because of that visitation, because of that impartation, because of that moment. And I remember getting up that morning after that visitation and saying, I don't know what will happen at the end of the day, but we're going to make it. And you know, in, in like 20 minutes, hundreds of people were filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. In a matter of moments' time, some of those teachers and professors, they're now teachers in some of our Bible schools. I want to tell you that story because it sounds neat, kind of, but not really. I told you that story to let you know if God could do that for the likes of me, for heaven's sakes... Us gathering together on a Monday night is not a story to be repeated. It is a divine reality. You may have been served notice, but I have come to serve your notice notice. Everything's going to be all right, and what God has said shall be. Now, 
I want to talk to the sickness in your body and tell it right now in Jesus' name, your lease is over. In the name of Jesus, you are healed. I want to speak to your tormentors and tell them right now, God said you are free. I want to open these altars right now as quickly as you can. I want you to step out of your seat, come into this altar area, and you're going to declare it with us. Lift your hands, lift your heart, and say, I'm going to make it tonight. What I've been hearing, what I've been feeling, it's now resonated with my soul, and I'm going to make it. God is healing me right now. Maybe you've never experienced this. Maybe this is your first time. Maybe your life, just you think, your life is just some kind of a mess and tragedy. But God brought you here on this Monday night to say, I specialize in tragedies. I make miracles out of tragedies. You're going to make it, honey. You're going to make it, brother. You're going to be all right. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.